Hey, welcome to Venue Church. This is our first uh, services in the building, guys. How are we feeling, Sean? Is it weird up here? <laughs> He's an introvert. Everything's always weird. Come on, help me preach a little bit. Give me a little feedback here. Can I get my mic up a little bit? I feel like I'm losing my voice a little bit. Hey, uh, it's good to lose your voice in the house of God, by the way. Are you guys uh, excited? I'm so excited to be here. Merry Christmas, everybody. I feel like during this sermon, God is going to unlock something for you that's just going to be like, now you'll know what your Christmas was supposed to be about. And I feel like in the sermon, as uh, messy as it's going to be, I haven't been feeling well, so Christmas has been like a recovery time for me, so my brain's been a little bit slow. Huh. Yeah, don't do it. That was a trap. I just wanted to see if anybody would go for that. But I feel like what the Holy Spirit has done in, in this sermon and in this series and this morning for you, I think that he's just going to put Christmas into context. And um, how many people know that when you're dealing with an unending power supply of heaven, it just needs a little context to get it into you, right? And so uh, I feel like that's what God is going to do for you today. This is a sermon series called Be the Donkey. Um, and today's sermon is called uh, The Magician's Journey about the magi. Um, Christians get a little bit weird about the word magic sometimes. Have any of you ever met a weird Christian? If your hand isn't in the air, it's you. So everybody knows is you. Um, when Christians get weird, it gets really weird, right? Because normal weird people are just weird. But when Christians get weird, then we're like, and God told me to be this way. And God's like, I'm not sure that I did. Um, I had a boss one time who, when I was in the electrical trade, someone asked, like, how does this thing work? And I said, magic? <laughs> Electricity. It's kind of magical, right? And um, I had like a weird Christian boss and he gave me a, a lecture afterwards um, about my character. I've, I seem to draw those lectures towards myself. I always get lectures about my character, my Christian character. And uh, he said, what kind of talk is that for a Christian? Because you said the word magic. And I'm like, I relax. You know what I mean? I didn't say that to my boss because I wanted to get paid, but I was thinking it. Um, today's journey is going to be, uh, in the sermon is going to be about the, uh, the, the, the beauty of the road that the magi, that the wise men, there was more than three, that the wise men actually walked to find Jesus. I don't think you and I appreciate the journey as much as we need to. Hey, um, here's the journey that led us to opening this place here. A lot of people working a lot and giving sacrificially to open this building up for you. Here's the journey that we just took this morning. After we worked all the bugs out, and they've all been working now for like a week, we worked all the bugs out. Here, you want to hear the list of the journey that my team's been walking through this morning? The rooftop unit in the kids' ministry isn't working, and it's been working the entire time, and they're wearing parkas in there right now because we can't figure it out. It's a journey. Lord, help me appreciate the journey. The, the journey. Um, the LED wall has been working. We swapped cables out this morning, and we're still having issues with it. That light up there is supposed to be working, and um, it's not. And it's all been, all this stuff was working when we got here, working for most of practice. The base amp blew up today. Um, and there was some other thing going on that, you know, and my team knows well enough. That's probably only like a tenth of the things that we've been working on, but my team knows like he's preaching, don't distract him. We got it. And so, so I want to say thank you for it. It's the journey. But you know what we do in, um, and here's the other thing, my body, like I haven't been feeling well for a couple of days. My body's been on a journey. But I think sometimes what we do is, is we get wrapped up in this whole North American deal where Jesus says, uh, you know, it's, he's described as the alpha and the omega, which means the beginning. Now, some of y'all are good at starting things, 
But then we get obsessed with the end. So the beginning and the end. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. But today I'm going to talk about the middle part because God has to be God of the road. He's got to be God of the journey where you stop trying to just get to the end of the journey. Like, look, I know that you think you're Cinderella and you just want the pumpkin in the end to be the, you want the glass slipper, you want all of that. But, but you got to understand that the evil stepsisters, anybody have evil stepsisters, played a role in that as well. And that the scrubbing of the floors was also part of the journey that uh, Hollywood won't teach you to appreciate the journey. But God is the God of the middle. He's not just the Alpha and the Omega. He's the God of where you are right now. Thanks, Sean. Where do you go after this? We've been trying to figure out, like, where are you supposed to step off? Of, where do you go? Do you escape through the curtain? You just walk over there? All right, you just do it now. And nobody's going to be watching you. <laughs> This is my great joy in life. If you're an introvert, to help you with that. You guys glad we're finally in the building? I'm so happy to be at this, at the end. But no, this is just the beginning of a, of a journey. You know, even, even the Magi, well, I'll explain who they were in a second here. But the Magi, you know, even, even when we get to Jesus or the shepherds come and meet Jesus, uh, at Christmas time, we sometimes wrap the story up and just leave it there. But that's just the beginning of a whole other journey. And your life today, you're at the beginning of, you might be at the end of a journey. You're at the beginning of another uh, journey. Um, but I'm going to really, I feel like the Holy Spirit's just going to kind of put it into you know, the pieces in place for you. So that you understand that, that, that you will actually, God is big enough to be enjoyed in the middle of the journey before you can even see the end. Look, life isn't about Instagram and, and posting those pictures of cupcakes or whatever it is that I unfollow. I'm like, that's great. It's a cupcake. I don't get it. Um, but see, you and I, we look at that and we look at what seems like all buttoned up in somebody's life and we get all jealous about that. But even then, you know, you don't see behind the scenes that there was 20 other cupcakes that they're evil children who didn't make the picture destroyed. You know what I mean? And so there's this part of the journey that you're on today that we have to honor the Lord in the journey and God will begin to honor you and begin to give you great joy in the journey. Now, the Magi, um, they were astrologers or known as dream interpreters. So we think wise men, we three kings. Um, it's probably more along this line, the, the more studying that I've done about this. It says these wealthy priests would have traveled with an entourage for protection as officials from the east. The Greek word magos is taken from the Mede language and means spiritual advisors or simply priests. Now, if Canada needed anything in the last two years, it was spiritual advisors and or some wise people. <clears throat> I'm just going to leave it there for y'all, you COVID fans. Um, they were appointed by Darius over the state religion. King Darius, you remember now, uh, they were appointed over the state religion as priests of Persia, uh, the Magi, which is modern day Iran and served as official advisors to the king. See also uh, the book of Daniel, where Dan the prophet Daniel is given the title of the chief of the Magi. So there might have been some governmental or administrative um, or kingly aspects, but we're talking about uh, priests. We're talking about spiritual advisors, spiritual teachers. These are the ones that came to Jesus. Now, um, they took a road trip that lasted them about two years. Now, who loves lo a good road trip? Now, when you're raising your hand, you don't mean with little kids. Right? When I say, like, I love a good road trip, I do not mean when my kids were little. I, those were not. Now, when I was little, there was no such thing 
as uh, DVD players. And it wasn't humans that invented DVD players for the car. It was the Lord to save children from being strangled by mom. And so, so we didn't have those. We had like, what? I don't even know what we did. Spent time with each other. Fought. We drew lines across the middle of the car. And if you cross this line, I'm coming over and it's going to be a mess. I mean, we played I Spy. We played a lot of punch buggy, I feel like. And then the Lord invented DVD players and then movie, uh, you know, then uh, trips, you know, a trip to Winnipeg to see my brother became like a five movie trip, right? And so, and we watched, I think we watched Rio on the way there one time, five times, I think in a row. Let me take you, you know, the movie Rio, let me take you to Rio. It was all Brazilian and stuff. It was pretty, pretty hot driving to Winnipeg. But my daughter, Neela, now... Now, Neela's still kind of little, and if we would follow AHS guidelines with Neela, she'd probably still be in a car seat. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people getting a lot of counsel <laughs> in the years to come here. But uh, So I may have dis disregarded AHS's uh, advisories about when to take her out of the car seat. You know, like, I was 15 and I was still in the car seat. Um, but Neela, she had this thing that when she... When she decided that she's a, a great, a good-natured kid, but when she decided she'd had enough, she's had enough. And then the screaming starts. Now, I could, if you put me in a car and I'm driving into, like, a hurricane or I'm getting shot at, I'd be great. Like, a zombie attack, get next to me. Maybe don't get next to me. Like, I know the principal, like, <laughs> like oh, you tripped. <laughs> now, you don't have to be the fastest. You just can't be the slowest. So maybe, like, get a, around in the area that I'm in. Like, I'm great in a crisis, but you know what I can't do? I can't drive a car when a child is screaming. Now, it's true. And I would, like, I'd, I'd like, I just, like, start lashing out and just be like, Aaron, shut those kids up. And she'd be like, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know. And so I discovered the secret of just putting in headphones and listening to weird Radiohead bootlegs and just be like, I'm doing this. And if the kids scream, then, but, man, you don't want somebody driving the car who's, like, thinking about, thinking about getting in an accident so the screaming stops. Like, you know what? So I was just being responsible. I was saying, what would Jesus do? He'd probably put headphones on. Um, and, and, and Neela's scream wasn't even the worst uh, scream. Ailish, does anybody remember Ailish as a baby? Were you there? Like, okay, Neela's scream sounded like just a child who was angry. Ailish's scream, have you watched Lord of the Rings and the Nazgul and the sound that they make? That... And so I would say, like, Ailish is uh, screaming. Where is she? She's serving right now. Oh, it's not never as fun to laugh at my kids when they're not here. Her scream was not just a Nazgul. It was like a Nazgul being eaten by another Nazgul. And that's how I described her screaming. And it just cut through you, you know, like a knife. And, I, and when your kids are small, you're just trying to get to this place where they're not, like, on you all the time, you know. Before kids, you're like, I can't wait to have kids. It looks amazing. And then you have kids, and you're like, now what do I do? I can't send them back. And then you have to deal with them, and there's this, like, 10-year period where, you know, the, the wife is like, don't touch me. This is your fault. And I'm like, is it? I don't know. God's supposed to be God's gift and stuff. Just want a back rub. There's so many things I want to say right there, but without making eye contact with Pastor Aaron. <laughs> we get obsessed in our culture with just getting to the end of it. Right? If I just got that promotion, it would be the end of that. If I could just, you know, get into a relationship at all, because Christmas was lonely for somebody, you know, if I could just have that relationship, then that would be the end. But 
wherever you're at, your entire life is going to be like one journey is going to be wrapping up a little bit and one will be starting, but you're always in the middle of this other journey that's happening that you and I, we don't appreciate because our society is so short-lived and so short-sighted that we just want the end of it. But we haven't learned about the God of the middle. And we disregard or even dislike, you ready? The long and dark road that took us to Christ in the first place. I don't know about you, but I just want to like get past some stuff. So I don't have to think about it or remember it anymore. I just want to get. But there's this other thing that God wants you to do. So by the time you actually learn to enjoy that part, the part in the middle that's not finished, the part in the middle where you're still struggling with stuff, the part in the middle where you're still under somebody who's hurting you a little bit, where, where you actually find Christ in the middle. There's, there's the man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. That's how they describe Jesus in the Old Testament. This prophecy, a man of sorrows acquainted, until you meet the man of sorrows acquainted with grief in the middle of the dark road, who's not just trying to get to the end, who's just trying to be with. And you're discontent to sit in the road sometimes. I think that we haven't learned the lesson that the Magi probably took two years to learn. Part of the purpose, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, how do I, why is the road so long and dark sometimes? The road, if you're married, can be long and dark. You may never get what you think in the end. You know, I sat with a very high-priced psychologist one time who's like, well, what if you don't win? What if God doesn't want you to win in your marriage? And I'm like, I don't get it. No, at first I said, can you repeat the question? 100%. She's like, what if God doesn't want you to win? And I thought about it for a long time, and I'm like, I don't get it. Because I don't like losing, baby. I like winning. I'm a winner, God. Yeah, what if, God, what if God's path is a different path than the one that you had envisioned, than the short path? You know, I'm a future person. That means, I, like, yesterday, if I met you yesterday, just introduce yourself again. Because I don't think backwards. I don't think... I, I, I wanted to get past it. I wanted to get beyond it. I just want to get into tomorrow. And, and I've had to learn how to just settle that there is a God in the middle that I have to deepen a relationship with. See, a relationship with the God of the infinite means that you only get bits and pieces of him. So he'll give you as much of him as you can handle. And you're like, I can handle it all. And he's like, oh, no, sweetheart. No. You cannot. You can only get bits and pieces because of what you're capable of, not what he's capable of, not what he is. And when he gives you a bit of a piece, then what you do is you wrap an entire religion about the little thing that he showed you. And then you think that everybody else should be on your religious bandwagon because you think that's all of God that there is. And he's like, no, I just showed you like layer one, you know, like the basement. You're in the parkade still. And as you grow through this, you'll find out that love means something different to a two-year-old than it does to a four-year-old, than it does to a 14-year-old, than it does to a 44-year-old. There's this deepening of this relationship, but there's this journey. You're going to be on the journey until you get to heaven, even there. It will be a journey because he's an infinite God of infinite love and infinite care and infinite complexity. And trying to solve God, all that does is make a, uh, we call it a venue of Franken-Jesus. What is, why is the road long and dark? I was asking the Holy Spirit. He said, it's so long and it's so dark for humans because human pride has to be broken. And that's the only place where it gets broken. You know, meeting God doesn't make you less proud. Because pride is not God's issue. It's your issue. And you can meet God. I know a lot of proud Christians who are kind of scary. 
and weird. And I can get weird and scary as a Christian too. Don't say it. Don't do it. Why is the, because human pride, you know, we took on the nature of, of, we were born in the nature of God. God gave us Eden. He's like, Adam and Eve, here you go. And we're like, great. We want a different dad named the devil because that made sense at the time because we wanted the, the apple on the tree or whatever. Like it wasn't even a hamburger tree, guys. Like what were you thinking? Oh my goodness. I know that Eve was naked and that was super distracting, but still use your brains. It wasn't even a hamburger tree. There's so much more theologically that, that I want to get into there. But what happened was we traded the nature of God for the nature of the enemy. And the nature of that enemy said of God, it looked up at God and it, it didn't appreciate the complexity and the, the height of heaven. It just looked up and said, I want to, I could, I could do that. And your human nature makes you like that. Like, and me like that, you know, we get a little bit of revelation and then we think we're God almighty somehow, you know, we go home and then we want, we want to be the Lord of our home. We want our children, moms to look up and we're the goddess of something, you know, and no, too close. I shouldn't preach to moms. Okay. The, 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 the pride, until you learn to enjoy the journey where your pride daily gets broken. Because daily it returns. The human nature. Um, here's something that the wise men had to, to wrestle with that you and I maybe have not wrestled with yet. Or maybe this Christmas you are. Where we want the star that they followed to rest over our stable. You think about that. Why do most people get into a relationship with a friend? Because we want to be the star. I have somebody with marriage problems, like, why are you here? To be loved, they said. I'm like, that makes you the star. See, stardom doesn't sit well on humans. It doesn't sit well on us. When it's all about you, it doesn't. And the Magi have, have learned over this long journey, they have learned that the star does not rest over your stable. It wasn't over a stable by the time they got there. It was over a home. But the, the star doesn't rest over you. See, you are no one's destination and no one's end product and no one's X marks the spot. And if you don't learn to appreciate the road, you'll fall for the trap that you are somebody's destination. And you want a relationship because you want them to, and you want the promotion because it needs to be about you. And, and until you learn the breaking of the road and the purpose of the road is to break that human pride so that we follow the star. See, Jesus came down far enough for you, but that last little bit, you got to go and find the star because if he comes to you, you won't have to turn around and repent of your human ways. You won't have to. And some of us, the reason that we make up a different God and want to serve him, who is totally not worth serving. Any God who would be enamored with your amazingness is probably not worth worshiping, by the way. I know that you wake up every morning, you're like, God, I'm amazing, and you just want to be with me. And he's like, no, I'm amazing, that's why I want to be with you. No, it's because I'm amazing, because I am high and lifted up. The train of my robe fills the temple. You, your light bulb's a little bit dim. I'm not following the star. It's a bit dim for me. But I like you because your mom liked your drawings that you put on the fridge. But you ain't Picasso. Like, that's not why she liked it. She liked it because she loved you and she was just full of love. And when we realize that, that, that we have to learn that the road is about him. And it's not just the destination because even when they found the Christ, that was just the beginning of their journey of faith. What about the ones coming behind them? Sometimes the road is long so that you can shorten the path for somebody else. That, that'll break your human pride down. But God, I'm in all this pain right now. And he's like, I know. 
but somebody you're going to reach and somebody I'm going to put you in the way of that you're not going to like initially because they remind you of your pain. I'm going to put you there so that you can show them the way back. And if you don't take the long and dark road, like there's no transporter for this one. Teleporter. Is that what I'm looking for? Got any nerds in the house? I watched that Spider-Man movie. And I don't know how many end, what do you call those things? Extra scenes? You know, when I was a kid, there was like the movie and then it was over. Right? And now there's like all these extra scenes. I just stand up in the middle and I'm just like, Avenger nerds. Like in the theater, right? This is totally me. Avenger nerds. Like how many of these are there? How long do I got to stay? And then they don't even, they don't even like, they just like very proud about being Avenger nerds. And then they tell you. Who answered that for me? I don't know. Somebody was here was watching the movie with me. Anyways, I'm getting a little lost in the sauce. You ready? Now, the Magi's journey was wrought with peril and discomfort. And for all they knew when it started, it was an enormous expenditure of time, energy, and resources for nothing. They had no guarantees that they were going to get anywhere that they were investing in. They had no guarantees. You think about, you think about this group of people that they don't know what that where they're going is going to be hot or cold, so pack everything. They don't know how many people are coming. Like, well, we need a bodyguard and we need resources, and we don't know how long. Some of them were leaving children behind. They're like, we don't know if they're going to be grown up by the time we get back. But their window of opportunity, like your window of opportunity this Christmas season, is narrow. Do not miss it. See, at least when they came back, the sons could look at the dad and be like, but they didn't miss the time of opportunity where they could find the Christ. They didn't miss that, that key that it doesn't stay open forever. They didn't miss in the opportunity. See, the, the star rose, and I'm going to explain to you what the star looked like to them. The star rose, and they just started following. They prepared as much as they could, and then they prepared themselves that the journey might be long and we'd better make it to the end it's not a, a sprint it's a marathon but they found a purpose for which everything else must pause i wonder today if you and i spend too much time on our little problems and if we would just follow the star to where jesus is that jesus himself would deal with the little problems or you ready give you a greater capacity so that little things didn't throw you so much anymore because that's all that it is sometimes. Listen, your capacity two years from now is going to be so great that the issues you're dealing with now won't seem like anything. You know how I know? Because I got bigger problems now. And I'm working through the capacity issue. I'm learning about the road. I'm learning. Hey, man, this time, uh, the past couple of years for, like, pastors has been interesting. You know what? I, I just got in the habit of saying, Pastor Aaron and I, we'd be like, thus far has the Lord helped us. I just wake up tomorrow and I just go out and pray and do whatever he says. And thus far has, I've learned that in this middle of the sweat box, I've learned that God is there. And we just do what God, I execute the will of God. I just, I just, but I got to go to where the star is going. Spurgeon says, some have supposed that the wise men went in the direction in which the star shone forth in the heavens. So sometimes you think about the star and it's just like painting that you saw, or it's a star up in the sky. Well, that's pretty difficult to follow. You know, the second star to the right and straight on to morning. Neverland, Peter Pan. Some of y'all need to be a little more wistful, I feel like. The Lost Boys. Oh, man, that was who I grew up with. Let's make bows and arrows and beat each other up. Yeah, let's do it. It says, uh, it followed the, uh, you said the wise men, um, 
Some have supposed that they, they followed, went in the direction in which the star shone forth in the heavens and followed the changes of its position. But it could not, in that case, have been said that it stood over the place where the young child was, which you'll see in the text. Uh, if the star was at its zenith over Bethlehem, it would have been at its zenith over Jerusalem too, only maybe 10 kilometers away. For the distance is so small, it could not have been possible to observe any difference in the position of the star, like up in the sky. It must have been a star occupying quite another sphere. And, and this sermon is going to show you that there's another sphere that the star is occupying that we're missing. Um, from that in which the planets revolve, he says, we believe it to have been a luminous appearance in midair. Probably akin to that which led the children of Israel through the wilderness, which was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Spurgeon is, is arguing that it's probably not the star out in the sky. It's probably something that rose in front of them and that they started following. Now, this is where, where this Christmas, the Holy Spirit wants to show you that, that you've been following a Christ or a Christianity from like way out here. But it's not that far away. The word is near you, even in, the, in your mouth. The, the word is right. And so you're supposed to wake up and, and see wise men still seek. You're supposed to wake up and be like, God, where are you today? Where are you today in that conversation with a coworker that I'm just going to be mad and I'm going to miss? Where are you today with the heart of the broken person that I don't want to remember that pain? So I, where are you today when my child, where are you today when I have an opportunity to forgive today this it is supposed to be a moment-by-moment, moment, hour by hour, day by day star that we follow. That's the difference. That's where we get lost. The nature of obedience is moment-by-moment. Moment. Sometimes we set up rituals in church, and the rituals are only supposed to remind us to obey. But the rituals can overtake moment-by-moment moment obedience. You know how I, I can tell how I'm doing? When somebody tells me to do something. <laughs> then I tell how I'm doing with the, whether the ritual is doing its job or not. Obedience. It's the obeying those little things day by day by day. I think too often we fail to appreciate that the road to Christ, it must be difficult for humans. Now, he has made salvation available to everybody. But then it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's this road. There's this other thing that happens on the road where human pride gets broken, where you actually become a follower of Jesus, where you actually learn how to serve Christ and his intentions for your life. One does not find eternal, elaborate treasure sitting, waiting by the road for somebody like you to show up and stumble over it. X doesn't mark the spot like that here. The, the, the road, the journey must be far or you will never find the true and living God. You, you will never have that relationship deepened in a way that the one with, you know, like the, the one whose depth goes beyond anything you can imagine. In fact, there is no end to it. There's no end to the height of the love of God. It's breath. It's, you could fill the world up with the things God has done. You wouldn't even touch it. And a relationship with that kind of a God who somehow loves you and somehow loves me, the awe that that should bring you, when we learn to live in the awe of that and the brokenness day by day, when you're dealing with your teenagers. Come on, mom, say amen. Matthew chapter 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests came from the east, or wise men in other translations, to Jerusalem and inquired of the people 
And they get a little bit lost in the sauce here in Jerusalem. I'll explain why in a minute. Where, the, where is the child who was born king of the Jewish people? Now, uh, Judaism, it was a spiritual state at the time, so religion was very central to what they did. We observed his star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he had heard this. Now, any earthly structure that is not based in Christ, see, there's two kingdoms. There's the earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. And um, when people come seeking Christ or when you turn from your old path to seek Christ, the Herods of your life start getting deeply disturbed. Now, this should not have disturbed Jerusalem. Disturbed Jerusalem. Disturbed like a church state. Disturbed. It should not. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit shows up, it disturbs churches. That should not disturb churches. Isn't that what we were waiting for? But he comes and disturbs all of our programs. And he, he's like, hey, no, you're not there yet. No, you're not. You don't. You are not the God of patience yet. Pastor Corey. <laughs> you know, you can spell it, but that's it. There's this other thing that needs to happen. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars demanding, ooh, easy, Herod, demanding of the religious leaders, ooh, we demand nothing of God. Too soon. We demand nothing of God. There was a day when, when the religious leaders were held in this like other place because we actually go to God for the people where people would come to the house of the Lord for counsel and not come with demands and tell us where and no, 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 no. The, the soul of the people, the leadership of heaven, come on church, where we would go once again. That's what we're praying that this house would be a place where the people of Ergy, when they're hurt and broken and weary, go to find help and counsel and redemption. We find it, we come and we ask of heaven. We don't demand things of heaven. He will be born in Bethlehem, the religious leader said, in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king. Now, the trap of religion or man-made religion is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because they could all tell the wise men where to go, the magi, the priests, they could tell them where to go, but none of them took one step on the 10-kilometer journey to go there themselves. Like something has happened and there's this huge entourage that comes, not three, like a huge entourage that comes. And they're all asking, like, we saw his star rising. We've been on the road ever since. Where is this happening? And man-made religion is like, go over there. This is when, when parents, when you get all like religious and weird and you're like to your kids, go over there. No, no, no. God religion is like, come with me and let's go. Like, are you serious? This is happening now. Let's go. It's not enough to know where you have to go. And then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priest from the east to ascertain the exact time the first star appeared. And he told him, now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. No. And on their way to Bethlehem, the same star they had seen in the east suddenly reappeared. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, somebody along the way, you've lost the star. Like 10 years ago, you knew. A year ago, you knew. You were following. You were obeying day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. But I think, I don't know if the lights of Jerusalem got too bright. We, got, we, we lose the, the star amidst a bunch of other stars or self-proclaimed stars or pursuits or 
And it says, as they started going to Bethlehem, maybe the other lights got dim. Maybe the lights in Herod's palace were too bright. But all the other lights, maybe they got a little dimmer and then they saw the star one more time. But see, the, the star of Christ will not compete with other so-called gods and other so-called... Christ will not compete with them. He is above all of them or he's nothing. And it's our job to find the real Christ and to dim the other lights in our lives. On their way, the same star suddenly reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. Probably in a home now. Hopefully not still in the stable. I think with Joseph, his dad, I don't think that's a possibility. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic. This word ecstatic, there's so many redundant words used here for joy. That they, they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. You know why they were so joyful, I think? Because the journey, their journey was so long and so hard. And sometimes I, don't, I think when I see a joyless Christian who's just like on the, sh on the shallow end of the pool, I think maybe your road needs to be a little bit darker so that you, some of y'all, you were forgiven so much that you forgot what you used to do. And then you get into this place where like you're proud and Christian and like, well, God is here to save other messed up people, but I wasn't that bad. You just talk to your wife, man. She'll tell you. If you still got one with that attitude. It's this idea of like, no. Like, those who are forgiven much love much. We're all forgiven much. The reason some of us don't love much is because we forget about it. We don't rehearse those things. We don't go. The road has to be long and hard to find Christ. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell to the ground at his feet and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Afterward, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Now, I just, I just want to close this sermon with, with an idea. That's... Um, I think you and I are obsessed with having an unbroken life. We'll filter things on Instagram. We'll, we're obsessed with the image of having a life that's all put together. And we'll miss the God of the middle because he is the, still the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And there's this part in us where we don't want to be broken. We don't want to be the broken ones. We'll help somebody who's broken, but we don't want it to be us. But the purpose of the path is to break you. And when God puts the pieces back together, see, nobody appreciates being a broken piece of tile until later in the story when you can step back and see that God placed the shattered piece that was you, all jagged and all raggedy and nothing to be proud of anymore. And he put you just beside another broken piece that's just broken in a different way. And then he, he glues you down and he glues you in and he fills all the cracks and, he, and you step back and you see that you are a part of the broken mosaic. And that the mosaic was the point of the whole thing in the first place because it would take a savior of the world to make one of those. And you and I were so busy trying to like stay whole and stay like, oh God, just... That's why you want the promotion. That's why you want to get married so that you don't have to be broken. But there's more brokenness awaiting you if you get that. I just want a child so that I don't feel so broken. 
You know, break you. You can have some bars. No, you can't have any bars. That's bad. This, where you step back and you finally see God's hand in all of that. There's, there's an internal Herod that wants to keep you from being broken. And that internal Herod, this is what it does. The first thing it does is it wants to subjugate Jesus in your life. Herod's like, hey, I'll find the Christ. Why? Because he needs to be subject to me because Rome put me here and I'm in charge here. And there's that thing inside of you when you get internal Herody. There's that thing that wants to subjugate Christ. You want to franken Jesus. You want what you can control and you want what you understand. You want him the way that you want him. But see, the wise men brought three gifts and it canceled out the internalization of Herod. Are you ready? The first gift they brought was gold. And gold is what you gave royalty. Gold is like, here, you have the right to rule. You rule, I follow. You say, and I execute. You speak, I obey. I'm going to take on your emotion. I'm going to take on your thoughts. I'm going to take on. And when you give your gold to Christ, you are saying, you rule, you decide, I'm going to follow, I'm going to serve. The, the second thing that, that internalization of Herod does is it, it wants to utilize the, the Christ for its own ends. And, and you can get connected to Christ because he's great, but you can get connected to him so that your greatness rises, so that your star rises, so that Herod's star rises. You can be seen in the same photos as him on church, on a brand new stage. Well, this stage ain't about you, and it's not about me, and it never will be, or we'll tear it down. This is about Christ and the wise men brought frankincense. See, there were priests. Frankincense was, would be what you burned in a temple to Yahweh. It reminds us that when we come and we worship and we lift our hands, we are emptying ourselves and we're saying, less of me, more of you. Less of me. I must decrease it. You must increase. This is about you. It's not about me. I don't evaluate you. You evaluate me here in this temple, in this house. Come on, venue church. Here. The third thing is that Herod wants to do away with him altogether. He went after Bethlehem and destroyed all these little boys. But God had given Joseph a dream and they escaped and went to Egypt. And that Herod inside of us just wants to do away with Christ so that there's no rivals. And the Magi brought the gift of myrrh, a spice that they would wrap bodies to be buried in. That's the trick. That's the road. If you already wrap yourself up in burial, then your life isn't yours anyways. And the brokenness of the road you can embrace because it was never going to be about you. It was never going to be about your photo finish. It was going to be about Christ and his work in your life. See, the death of Christ is what makes him inescapable. But then he calls you to a cross too. Would you go through this path with me at Christmas time and ask God for the joy of the, the road? Ask him to show you the joy of the path like he's beginning to show me. And when you find the joy of the path, you'll help somebody else find it too.